Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and we're continuing our study on the Olivet Discourse. We'll be talking in this session about the Great Tribulation period, which begins in Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 21. But we want to go back to what we discussed prior concerning fleeing from the wrath of the wrath to come and just as a short summary but before we do that let's just go ahead and pray heavenly father we're so thankful today uh, for your blessing thank you father for your warning thank you father for news before it happens and we thank you for your word lord your word is truth and lord we just look to it holy spirit help us today and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it lord in jesus name amen praise god and verse 16 of matthew chapter 24 uh, jesus says this then let them which be in judea flee into the mountains all the events leading up to the destruction of jerusalem in 70 a.d were warnings and people did not heed the warnings Uh, Many in Israel thought that uh, the Messiah, Jesus, would uh, and and the Lord God would uh, protect Israel from her enemies. Well, um, what they didn't take into account was they rejected the Messiah when he came. And Jesus prophesied and told them what would happen. But they did not listen. They did not take heed. So when Jesus is speaking about Judea and when he's speaking about uh, the Sabbath day, he's talking about something that's going to happen locally. And we need to take heed to that today because not only does this word of prophecy in Matthew chapter 24 affect uh, the things that happened 38 years after uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the establishment of the church. Uh, these truths also are speaking of our future, things that will come to pass. Uh, verse 17 through 20, Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Notice the imminency of what Jesus is speaking of. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So that speaks to the locality of these events that took place in 70 AD. Now, A.T. Robinson in his uh, great work on the Gospel of Matthew Uh, A.T. Robinson was the foremost Greek scholar in the uh, last century. He is the one that uh, quotes Eusebius, that uh, Eusebius wrote and said that the Christians actually fled to Pella at the foot of the mountains about 17 miles south of the Sea of Galilee because they remembered the warning of Jesus to flee for safety uh, when these conditions begin to exist. And that's true for us today. We are being warned by the same words that were given to the, uh, the Jews in 70 A.D., given to the disciples uh, in that time. Uh, the same words apply to us today. So uh, we need to take heed to them, and we take heed to them by uh, surrendering our heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and recognizing and understanding that we're, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And we need to come to understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We can escape the things that are coming upon this earth. We can only do that through Jesus. We can't do that through church membership. We can't do that through just being a good person. There are going to be multitudes of good people that will miss the rapture and will have to endure and try to make it through the seven-year tribulation period. Many will not. We'll see this as we go along in this study today. So not only is Jesus speaking of the events that would take place in Jerusalem in 70 AD, he's also speaking of uh, the day of the abomination of desolation. He's speaking of the day of the Antichrist. Now, uh, so uh, we need to make sure. Now, we who believe, who are born again, uh, will not see the events take place in the Great Tribulation period, but most of the world will. Now, in Daniel 9, 27, uh, Daniel speaks of uh, the abomination that makes delicate, uh, that makes desolate. Well, Daniel was not speaking of Titus, and he was not speaking of Vespasian because neither Vespasian nor Titus made such a covenant with Israel that the abomination of desolation or the Antichrist will make during the tribulation period. So here we have, we have the double reference, things that will take place shortly, but also things that will take place in the future. And another interesting feature that we talked about in our last session was that the great Jewish revolt began in 66 A.D., and that revolt was not put down, not in 70 A.D., it was put down in April of 78, 73 A.D. with the destruction of the fortress at Masada. That is exactly seven years, and that corresponds with the seven years that Daniel was speaking of, the 70 weeks of years that will take place at the end during the Great Tribulation period and before that period ends. So Daniel's 70th week of prophecy speaks specifically of what's going to happen uh, in, uh, in John's revelation, the, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ that John saw on the Isle of Patmos uh, in the end, and also what Jesus speaks of in this Matthew chapter 24, speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem. They all agree what Jesus spoke of what Paul spoke of, what the Apostle John saw, what he spoke of, they all agree. And that's what makes the Word of God the Word of God. Everything is a, the, the Word of God is a progressive revelation that takes us from Genesis to Revelation, but there's no contradiction within the Scriptures. It all aligns up. Why? Because it comes from our Heavenly Father, the God who knows all, and His Son, Jesus Christ, who made all things. Praise God. So what John saw is still in our future. And this is going to take place in the Great Tribulation period. And, of course, the double reference, what Jesus, and a lot of what He relayed to the disciples in Matthew 24 would take place in his future 38 years hence. And so we understand that the word of God, when it comes to prophecy, uh, is anointed and it is progressive revelation. 
Paul tells us in First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verses two and three, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and seven, uh, peace and safety, then sudden des- destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. That's why it's so important for us to prepare ahead of time. Amen. So that we are able to escape through the grace of God. We are able to escape the wrath to come. All right. Now let's talk about the great tribulation period. Beginning in Matthew 24, 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And the literal Greek, uh, then for then will be affliction great. Notice Jesus said, for then shall be great tribulation. The literal Greek reads, for then will be affliction great. And this is alluding to the intensity and to the horror of the Jews that they're going to experience in the great Jewish revolution. Now, we have to understand this, that not all the Jews wanted to revolt. But notice this is a a quote from Josephus and his work, his historical work on the war of the Jews. And this, he was uh, quoting Titus. Titus was the general that finished up uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. And notice what he says. And he expressed this himself. We have certainly had God for our assistant in this war. And it was no other than God that ejected the Jews out of these fortifications. For what could the hands of men or any machines do towards overthrowing these towers? So Titus is giving credit not to himself and not to his army, but he's giving credit to God, which, you know, Titus did not believe in the Hebrew God, did not believe in Jehovah, but he is giving credit to the higher power and the, the, as the reason why they were able to overthrow the Jewish armies and destroy Jerusalem. Now, the first time the Romans captured Jerusalem was in 67 BC. And at that time, there were 12,000 Jewish casualties. In 70 AD, there was a total of 1,337,490 casualties and 97 captured away as slaves to be sold on the markets or to be given away or or given to be slaves for the rest of their lives. And uh, it's also worthy to note that when the Roman legions appeared around Jerusalem and the city was shut in, millions of Jews had already entered into the city to celebrate the Passover feast. They were caught. These were innocent people. These were men and women and their families. They were those that had heard of the coming calamities. They had heard of the Roman invasions, but they thought, well, God's going to protect Jerusalem. He's going to protect the temple. So this is a place for us to run and to be secure. Well, that was not the case because these innocent people, the multitudes of them, 
unaware of the rebellion that was occurring by the zealots, and they were shut up within the city walls. Practically all of them died of famine, they died of pestilence, and they died of, of the sword. And so it is interesting to note that the 38th Passover festival, since Jesus was crucified on the cross, is when this disaster for the Jews took place and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And when Pilate washed his hands and said, I am free of the blood and the guilt of this man, you see to it. The Jews actually replied, and they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. That prayer was answered. What a horror, what a horror it was in that day and time. And Josephus wrote this. He said, accordingly, the multitude of those that therein perished exceeded all the destructions that either men or God ever brought upon the world. Now, that's hyperbole, but it also strikes to a point the magnitude of the destruction that came upon the Jewish nation. And Jesus says that these things have not happened and they were ever shall be anything worse than this. Well, there are things that uh, that we know from the history of the Jews that are terrible experiences. This that we're talking about at the at the hand of the Roman armies was certainly horrible. But quoting Zechariah who prophesied of the end time of invasion and the attempted destruction of Israel during Armageddon, the end of the tribulation period, he quotes that he writes this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this prophecy in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, this is God Jehovah speaking through him, Two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And what that means is that two-thirds of those in the city of Jerusalem, when the Antichrist attacks Jerusalem, they will be cut off and they will perish. There will only be one-third left. And this is a horrible, horrible situation that the Jews face. And it's time for every Jew to understand and accept the fact that Jesus is the Messiah that the nation of Israel has rejected. And if they will fall down now, if they will accept him as Messiah, they'll miss these things that will take place during the tribulation period. And we know from the writings of Daniel and in other places that the Antichrist, he's going to usher in a peace. He's going to negotiate the building of a third temple. Uh, the Jews are during the tribulation, at least the first half of the tribulation, they're going to have an assurance. They're going to look to the Antichrist as their protector. They're going to look to him for safety and protection. Amen. And the population, no doubt, of Israel is going to double. You know, here's the point that right now, the total population of the Jews, of the Jewish race in the world is 15.7 million. Now think about that. If all the Jews are in Israel and all of them are in Jerusalem and in that area, 
And Zechariah prophesies that two-thirds of them are going to perish. You know how many out of 15.7 million Jews throughout the world, you know how many are going to perish? We're just using this for an example. 10,466,666. Think about that. 10 million, over 10 million. And right in the middle of this figure is the number 666. That's incredible to think about. That many, that many are going to perish. All because they did not heed the words of the gospel about Jesus Christ and they rejected him as the Messiah. Now, Zechariah says this in chapter 14. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. The day of the Lord is the great tribulation period. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravaged, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. There'll be some that will remain in the city, but half of them are going to be destroyed. They're going to they're going to go into captivity. They're going to go into slavery. And see, this is this is the double reference that we're talking about in this prophecy that will take place not only in 70 A.D., but also in the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation, that's a term that Jesus himself uh, coined to describe what's going to happen. And we have an idea of what is going to happen by the destruction that took place in 70 A.D. But even all of that that the Jews uh, suffered in 70 A.D. is not going to compare to what they're going to have to suffer during the Great Tribulation period. Now, we know from history that there were three major revolts by the Jews against the Roman occupation. The first Jewish revolt is what we're talking about and what Jesus is prophesying about in this chapter, Matthew 24. That revolt took place from 66 A.D. to 73 A.D. And, of course, we have the history of what took place by the writings of Josephus. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus also prophesied of what would happen. The second Jewish revolt was between 115 and 117 A.D. It was a revolt that took place over all, just about all of the empire, throughout the empire, uh, the Jews against Rome in Mesopotamia and Cyrene and Egypt. But now the third revolt is called the Bar Kokhba Revolt. It took place between 132 and 135 A.D. Over 600,000 Jews were killed. Villages and cities were completely destroyed. And all of Jerusalem was leveled to the ground and plowed up. And the Jews were threatened with death if and forbidden under penalty of death to enter into the city again. But now all of these events are not going to compare. Even the Holocaust, even the Holocaust of World War II will not compare to the plight of the Jews during the last half of the tribulation period. Once the Antichrist attacks Israel, he intends to wipe every Jew off the face of the earth. That's his intention. But he's not going to be able to do it because at that moment, 
Christ is going to return, is going to come. And the Antichrist will be done, the false prophet will be done, and all the armies of the Antichrist will be destroyed. And, of course, Jesus said this, except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Now, this is a footnote in uh, Whiston's translation of the works of Josephus. It's a quote. The whole multitude of the Jews that were slain during the seven years of the Jewish revolt amounts to, I quoted it earlier, I quoted again, 1,337,490. That's how many died. Well, there's going to be multitudes more Jews killed during the Great Tribulation period. And we also know that if it had not been for Titus restraining his army as much as he could because the army just went wild. The thirst for blood, the thirst for revenge is the reason why so many Jews were killed after the, after the Roman legions breached the walls of Jerusalem. And if it had not been for, the, for Titus restraining his army, every Jew within those walls of the city would have perished. They would have died. And these are devastating events, but they will not compare to what's going to happen during the tribulation period. Now, let's go ahead and read Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Notice what Zechariah prophesies by the Lord God. Behold, the day of the Lord, that's Jehovah, behold, the day of the Lord Jehovah cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, let off into slavery, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove towards the north and half of it toward the south. That will take place when Jesus returns. Amen, praise God. Now, there's going to be false Christs, and there's going to be false prophets that have appeared and that will appear. We know this from Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 28. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now, these six verses that Jesus describes concerns his second coming and what his second coming will be like. It describes his appearance, that it will not be like the appearance of the false Christs. 
It will not be the appearance of the false prophets, but his coming will be like lightning. Amen. Now, Jesus warned his disciples about those claiming to be Messiah and those claiming to be prophets. In 70 AD, there were many claiming to be him and many false Christs will also appear towards the end. Also, we have them in our world today. Now, false prophets, they've arisen throughout the Jewish nation and back in 70 AD, and there will be many also in the future. Now, the book of Revelation records one, the false prophet, and he will work with the Antichrist to go about deceiving the whole world, and that includes the Jewish nation. And also, Jesus says that there's going to be great signs and wonders. Josephus, in his record, describes signs and portents during the time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. And he describes one instance where the people had gone to the temple that day at the urging of a false prophet controlled by the rebels who had promised them signs for their deliverance. And once they entered into the city of Jerusalem, they were trapped and all of them perished. Now, some authors describe a sword appearing over the city for a short time. Others of a great light shining towards the altar and temple during the night. Uh, some describe a heifer being led to sacrifice, which gave birth to a lamb. How is that going to happen? That has to be a miracle in order for that to take place. And others described how the eastern gate of the temple, which required 20 men to open and shut, suddenly opened of its own accord during the sixth hour of the night. These are things that are recorded to have happened. Now, we can believe them. We don't have to believe them, but it's interesting because it fits exactly in line with what we're talking about in this Matthew chapter 24. Now, the very elect that Jesus was speaking of was, of course, God's elect. You know, the Jews who were God's elect. And, of course, talking about the Christian believers. These who knew were able to escape. These who knew were able to escape the, all the things that came upon when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. And, of course, we have the words of Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12, where he wrote to the Thessalonian church and he says, And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That applies both to our future. It applies to us today and to our future, as well as it applied to the to the future back in uh, in the days of the before the destruction of of Jerusalem. But now we also know that there's going to be many saved during the great tribulation. Thousands upon thousands will be saved. And these will have to endure the great tribulation period and the forces and the armies of the Antichrist and those who have received the mark of the beast, they're going to be under tremendous pressure to deny Jesus by taking the mark of the beast. Now, those who recant, they're going to be eternally damned. But now those who refuse to take the mark of the beast, they're going to suffer martyrdom, but they're going to live with the Messiah. Praise God. 
And now verses 27 and 28, Jesus says this, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is speaking of sudden destruction that comes upon them, the same thing that, that Paul was writing to the Thessalonian church about. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So the false Christs and the false prophets uh, mentioned by Jesus, uh, they're not going to appear like Jesus appeared. They just come out, they just spring up out of the holes of the ground. You know, they're going to appear, they're going to try to lead people astray. Uh, they're going to perish just like the people that they've led, led astray will perish. But now the coming of Jesus Christ he is the Christ and he is the prophet. His coming is going to be visible and all people will know it. His coming is going to be not only visible, but it's going to be supernatural. Hallelujah. Amen. And A.T. Robinson speaks of this. He speaks about the invisibility of the false prophets, but the definite visibility of the coming of Christ like a flash of lightning. So the second coming of Christ is going to be sudden. It's going to be like a thief in the night. And those who are his enemies upon earth, they're going to be taken by surprise. When the armies of the Antichrist are marching through the nation of Israel uh, to completely destroy and annihilate the Jewish nation and its people, they are going to be taken by surprise. And Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3. Now this, the 1 Thessalonians speaks of the rapture of the church, okay? This he's speaking of the day of the Lord. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Not one soldier, not one nation, not one people that aligns himself with the Antichrist and goes with him and follows him, not one of them is going to escape. Well, none escaped the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Those that were not killed were, were, were taken captives and led into slavery. And the only ones that escaped were ones that heed the warnings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the prophecy that he gave in this chapter, Matthew chapter 24. Now, the chapter, the rapture of the church is only going to concern the church. And we're talking about the blood-bought church. We're talking about the church of God. We're not talking about churches today that deny the deity of the Lord Jesus and that will not accept him as the Son of God. We're not talking about these churches. We're talking about the blood-bought church. Amen. And I see that I have way run out of time. Father, we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 
at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.